We're going to be talking about the presence of God this morning and being in his presence. We're going to be looking at Psalms chapter 5, and uh, we're going to read through that whole Psalms. It's only 12 verses, and I'm going to show you some other verses as we go along the way. So before we jump into that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and Father, I thank you as I speak. It's not my words, but your words, Father. I pray that you fill this time, you open our hearts to see and hear you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Uh, Psalms is a great book to read. Uh, it's a pretty long book. Uh, you, you know, you can read a, a chapter a day. So it starts short. You start off with a really good sprint because they're pretty short. And then as you get deeper, it's like, oh, these start getting long. Uh, but it's a great, incredible book to read. Uh, I'm doing a, a Bible plan right now on the YouVersion Bible app by Spoken Word Gospel uh, on the book of Psalms. And what they're doing is showing how Jesus is in every book of the Bible and how he's in every chapter of Psalms. And so I want to kind of show you the same thing and show you about being in the presence of God. So let's just jump in right here to Psalms 5. Uh, David is the author of this Psalms. Uh, we don't know, he's in some kind of trouble. We don't know exactly uh, what's going on right now. Uh, some believe that maybe there was a famine in Israel, some kind of disaster or something going on. So Psalms 5 verse 1 says, Give ears to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. Now, if we're reading this out of the English Standard Version. If you go to the NIV, it says, uh, I prepare a sacrifice for you and I wait expectantly. I wait expectantly. Now, I want to show you some things that David is doing right here. Anytime you read a psalm that David has written, he has no problem telling God, I need you to listen. He's very bold, he's very outspoken, and he's like, hey God, I'm in trouble, I need you to listen. And, and look how he makes this plea to God. He says, give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my, he tells him, hey, listen, give attention to the sound of my cry, hey, I'm in trouble. And he says, my king and my God, he tells him, you are my king, Right, you're Lord of my life. You are my God. I need you to listen. I need you to pay attention to what's going on. He says, for to you do I pray. Now, in other Psalms, we know earlier in the, in the book, we know that the Israelites are offering sacrifices to false gods. And so he's saying, hey, I'm not doing that. I'm praying to you. In the morning, you hear my voice. He's saying, I get up in the morning and I pray. And he says, in the morning, I prepare a sacrifice. He goes into uh, the tabernacle. Now, uh, you, when you think of tabernacle, for me, I think about Moses. And I think about when they came out of uh, Egypt and they're in the desert and they built a tabernacle. And it was a tent. And the tent, uh, the tabernacle of David was, was different. It was built different. It looked different. But it was a room where they would go in and offer sacrifices. There was an outer room that was filled with musicians that played worship. David loved worship. David loved music. And so he would uh, have worship music. And so he's in this and he's waiting expectantly. He's waiting on the Lord. Psalms 130, verse 5. We're going to kind of jump uh, way far in Psalms, but I want to show you this. It says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. Listen, David is saying, he, he's getting into the presence of God, and he's saying, God, I need you to hear me. 
God, I need you to see what's going on in my life. You're Lord, you're God, you, you, you know, you got this and I need you to see. And then he waits. He waits. I want to encourage you that a lot of times in your life you have to wait on God. Let me tell you something about God. He is never in a hurry. Ever. You know who's in a hurry? Us. We got things to do. We got plans. We got things going on. I got to get this done. I got to get it done today. Right? Right now, in the midst of this sermon, you are thinking about what you have to do later today. Right? I mean, it's hard for you to focus on my words because you are thinking about your plans. Right? And, and what is God saying? God is saying, I want you to wait. I want you to wait on me. God loves to show off. He does it all throughout the Bible. All throughout the Bible, he'd tell them, you know, hey, you know, with, I love the story of Gideon because he tells them, hey, you got all these soldiers, send them home. Why? Because I want you to know that I did it, not you. You're going to use pots and torches because I want, I want you to know that it was me and not you, right? We're supposed to wait on the Lord. Wait expectantly. See, if I say wait, if I said, hey, we're going to wait here till lunchtime, you know, we think we're just going to sit. You think, I'm going to lose my mind if we wait, right? I'm going to go nuts, right? If we say, hey, we got to go to the airport, we're going to wait three hours for our flight, right? That sounds horrible. It's like, I don't want to go sit in the airport and wait, right? Do you ever get to the movie, like, so early that it's before the previews? Anybody ever been there that early that it's before the previews? And then there's that, like, lady with the dark hair doing, like, the whole behind-the-scenes stuff. And, and the whole time you're there, you're like, your whole goal is just don't drink all the soda, right? I can't drink this 44 ounces of soda right now because by the time the movie starts, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom, right? And then I'm going to miss the whole first 10 minutes of the movie. But, right, you get there and you have to wait. This is, this is inactive waiting, you're just sitting, you're on your phone, you're playing a game, you're scrolling social media, right? You're not really doing anything. What David is talking about here, what the Bible is talking about here is active waiting, active waiting. I'm, I'm waiting expectantly on God, okay? And it says that my hope right there, my hope is in his word. See, so I'm supposed to be in the word of God. I'm supposed to be reading his word. I'm supposed to be holding on to scripture, waiting expectantly on the Lord, Advent starts today. Today's the first day of Advent. If you bought the Advent calendars, you won't start today. You'll start on December 1st. But Advent starts today. And what Advent means is coming or arrival. And Advent is all about waiting expectantly for Jesus to arrive. Right? There was the first Advent when they waited for Jesus' birth, which happened then now we are in the second advent where we wait for Jesus to return. See, I'm not supposed to just sit around not doing anything, just kind of going through life and thinking, oh, one day God's going to show up. I'm just going to kind of live my life. No, I'm, I'm expectantly waiting on the Lord. Jesus taught this all throughout the parables, right? The, 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 the parable of the talents, where it gives the talents, and one guy goes out, you know, and, and buries one. One guy goes out and doubles his. One guy invests. One guy does all these things. And what is he saying? Hey, you're supposed to be waiting, but wait expectantly. You're supposed to be doing something, right? We're active in our waiting. But listen, when you come into the presence of God, there's times that you need to wait on God. Wait to hear his voice. Put your hope in his word. Put your hope in his promises. Go to, go to the word of God. Pastor always says, you know, you can't hear God if you're not in the word. 
You can't hear God if you're not in the Word. Get in the Word. If you think, man, I, need, I really need to hear God, get in His Word, and you'll hear Him, right? And so I'm waiting on God, and waiting is so hard, especially in our culture. We're so not conditioned for waiting. We're not conditioned for downtime, right? I mean, we, we finished our, our message on Sabbath, on rest. Think how hard it can be sometimes to rest and, and not do, not think about what I've got to do next. And so what, what is setting up right here in these first three verses is that we need to wait on God. Let's go to uh, Psalms 5, verse 4. It says, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies, and the Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. So uh, poor David, every time he's writing Psalms, somebody's after him. Uh, that guy gets chased ever since he's anointed king. And even, poor guy, you know, he's out, out in the fields hanging out with sheep, and the guy's fighting lions and bears and tigers, oh my. And, and something's, always, well, something's always after David, and something's always chasing him. And he's, he's telling God, hey, I know. He's saying, hey, I, I'm coming into your house in the beginning. He says, I'm coming in. God, I need you to hear me. God, I, I'm going to pray to you. I'm reaching out to you. I'm waiting on you. And he says, I know that you're not a God who delights in weakness, in wickedness. I know the evil don't dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. He's saying that you cannot come into the presence of God with pride. You cannot stand in God's presence in pride. That you will not be able to stand before God in pride. That he hates all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and the deceitful Man, now I want to go to Matthew 7, but just, just a minute before we get there. I believe with all my heart, this is the absolute scariest verses in the Bible. I'm going to read uh, 21, 22, and 23, three verses. And I think these are like the three scariest verses in the Bible. Matthew 7, 21, he's saying how the prideful cannot stand, the liar cannot stand, the wicked cannot stand before God. Jesus is speaking, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So, so, so uh, just because you cry out to God doesn't mean you're going to get into heaven, but you have to do God's will. Verse 22, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Have you ever been somewhere and you feel unprepared? Or you find out you were supposed to have something or bring something? Maybe even Thanksgiving. You get to Thanksgiving and your family comes up and says, hey, did you bring that salad? And you're like, I didn't know I was supposed to bring no salad. Yeah, we texted you like a week ago to bring salad. I didn't get no text to bring no salad, right? And, and you get places and you feel unprepared. Maybe you go to a meeting or a conference or, or some kind of show and you find out that you're supposed to have something, know something, do something. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm unprepared. I'm I'm not ready for this, right? Can you imagine standing in line to get into heaven? You're at the pearly gates and you get up there and they, you know, people are getting in line. You're getting closer. You can kind of see the gate. You can kind of see them checking people in and they got a, uh, you know, computer, I guess, and they're working through it and, and you start hearing them asking questions. And they're like, well, hey, did you prophesy? Yes, yes, I prophesied. Did you cast out any demons? Uh, 36. Oh, wow, wow, wow. High five, right? Right. Did you do mighty works? Oh, many, many mighty works. 
we turned lots of water to wine. I don't know. I don't know what kind of mighty works they did. And they're like, all right, come on in. And then the next person, you know, how many demons did you cast out? Two, two. I only got two. I had that. That's, that's better than none. And then you think, oh, my Lord, right? I ain't cast out no demons, right? I ain't turned no water to wine, right? I didn't know I was supposed to do that, right? And, and so you ask the person in front of you, man, you, you cast out any demons? And he's like, oh, yeah, 15. Like, 15? You know, you ask the guy behind you, did you cast out any demons? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 I did that. You didn't, you didn't cast out demons? You didn't know you were supposed to be doing that? It's like, Lord, no, I didn't know I was supposed to be doing that. Right? And that's exactly what, what happens in this story. That, you know, I, I read this verse and I think, oh, my Lord, God, I don't know if I've prophesied in your name. I know I ain't cast out no demons in your name. I'd love to. I'd love to be in ground zero and a kid just fall out, demon possessed. But the sad thing is, it's always flesh, right? You can't cast the flesh out, right? You want to say, I don't cast the devil out of you. You just can fix you, right? Well, don't you wish you could do that to your husband? Is cast the devil out of him and he'd be okay. But it ain't the devil, right? It's his flesh, right? And so, I ain't cast out no demons, right? Mighty works. I don't know. I ain't raised nobody from the dead lately. I didn't walk on Lake McKenzie last summer. I don't, I don't know what we're talking about, right? And you think, man, there's no way I'm getting in. There's no way I'm getting in. How am I going to get into the presence of God? I can't do it because I've never done any of this. And he says, I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. And, you know, as I read Psalms 5, you know, verses 5 through 6, let me back up right there. It says, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. And the Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. You know what we do is we exempt ourselves from that. We say, that ain't me. I'm not bloodthirsty, right? I mean, I'll shoot a deer, but I'm not bloodthirsty, right? You know, I don't mind going rabbit hunting every once in a while, right? But, but I, I'm, not, I'm not that bad. That's like really, that's like bad people, right? They get their own Netflix specials, those kind of people, right? Right? But, but the verse says, he says, uh, the boastful shall not stand before his eyes. Those in pride shall not stand before his eyes. I've, I've been in pride before. I've been prideful. It says, uh, uh, you destroy those who speak lies. I've, I've lied before. I've, I, even even white lies, right? And we've all done that. And then as I read these verses, I think, well, man, I, I, I haven't done any, I, how am I gonna stand before God? And we, we excuse ourselves thinking that I'm not that bad. But, but listen, I'll tell you something that set me free. I, this verse used to like seriously terrify me like for a long time. I, I told dad, I have two fears when I get to heaven. One fear is, is that, that's going to happen. I'm going to be like, dude, I was in ground zero every week with them little devils. You better let me in, right? Right? Okay, Eric. Eric knows what I'm talking about, right? Bebo knows what I'm talking about. It's like, man, I, I, I've been there. I paid my dues. I better get it right. And he's going to say, but yeah, I never knew you. Then the second thing, fear is, is he's, we're going to get to heaven, and he's going to say, I don't know what y'all did every Sunday, but that wasn't church. You know, like we missed the mark. We was, were doing it wrong the whole time, right? And it's like, oh, my Lord. But, but listen, let me show you what set me free from this verse. The second that you die and you get to heaven and God looks you in the face, Jesus standing there and he looks at you and says, if this happens, this shouldn't happen. But if he says, I don't know you. Okay, here's, here's what you do. Now you gotta remember this. You're gonna go through death and all this stuff. You're gonna forget a lot of stuff. But you gotta remember this. When you get there, fall on your face 
and cry out, you are the king of kings, the Lord of lords. You defeated death, hell, and the grave, and by your blood, I'm welcomed in. Okay? And then he'll say, okay, get up, right? I, I remember you now. It's all coming back. But what did they do? They turned to their works. They turned to what they had done, not what he had done. See, when you get into the presence of God, it's about what Jesus has done, not what you have done. They immediately turned into, I was in church every Sunday. I gave in the offering. I tried to listen to Christian radio. I served in Ground Zero for a year, right? I went to that church camp. My God, that should pay for a 1,000 years in heaven easy just going to camp for one summer, right? And, and, and what do we do? We turn to what we have done done, but it's about what Jesus has done. I can be welcomed into his presence because of Jesus. I am prideful. I am a liar. I am a broken, sinful man. But listen to what James 4, 6 says. It says that God gives more grace. Therefore, it says that God opposes the proud. See, if I try to come into God's presence in pride, and I've got this figured out, I can handle this. I can do this. God opposes me, but he gives grace. To the humble. You got to humble yourself before God. You have to humble yourself before God. Listen to Psalms 5, 7. We're going to continue in chapter 5. It says, but I, so David is speaking again, but I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house, and I will bow down towards your holy temple in the fear of you. Now, now, now look at what David does. David just talks about how the liar, the, the prideful, the bloodthirsty, the evildoer, the workers of wicked, wickedness, they're not going to get into God's presence. But then David says, through your abundance of your steadfast love. Look what he does. He does not talk about what he's done. David doesn't say because, well, you know, I, I killed Goliath. I killed that lion and that bear. My, my God, I've done some amazing things for you, so I'm coming into your presence. He said, no, because of your steadfast love, because of Jesus. Right now, obviously, he didn't have Jesus yet, but we can say today, hey, but because of the blood of Jesus, I can come in. He says, I will enter your house. Right, and you gotta, you gotta remember, he's in the tabernacle, he's in that tent, he's in that room, surrounded by musicians, which is surrounded by an outer court, which is surrounded by, uh, which had two guards at the gate. It says, I will bow down. He humbles himself before God towards your holy temple in fear of you. He has this holy reverence, this holy respect for God. He's seen what God can do, right? And so he bows down towards him. Let's look at James 4.10. We're going to put up the ESV on, on the screen. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. You're not going to have this one, Tanner, but I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. It says, humble yourselves with an attitude of repentance and insignificance in the presence of the Lord. And he will exalt you. He will lift you up. He will give you purpose. Now, now, now listen to that. It says, with an attitude of repentance. That means, God, God, I, I'm going to repent. I've messed up. I've been prideful. I've been a liar. I've been evil. I've done those things. I'm broken. I, I humble myself before you. Insignificance. Now, we, we can think, well, that's not good. I shouldn't think of myself in, insignificant. What it means is I'm lower than God. Okay, you know, a lot of times we want to put God and ourselves on the same level. You know, what we want to do, too, is, is we want the throne of our heart to be a love seat, and God and I are going to sit there together. And he can have the left side of the steering wheel, and I'll take the right. 
And we're both going to kind of drive this thing at the same time. And I got plans and I got, I got things right, things I got to do. And so God, I'll, you know, and then think about in our marriage, you know, we want to sit on the throne uh, with Jesus on our spouse's heart. Right? You know, God, my wife's got some problems. If you'll listen, I'll show you how to fix them. Right? But what do we do? What is David showing us? He's saying, hey, we have to humble ourselves. Humble yourself. And then it says that he will exalt you. He will lift you up. He will give you purpose. God will give you purpose. God will give you plan. The Bible says that God will give you the desires of your heart. When I was a really young kid, like third, fourth grade, I was always afraid that if I followed God, he'd send me somewhere I didn't want to go. You know, that I'd have to like go to some foreign country and, you know, eat monkey brains and bananas for the rest of my life trying to serve God, right? You know, and, and, but the Bible says, you know, so you don't have to be afraid of that is all I'm saying. You don't have to be afraid of it. Man, if I let God take over, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where I'll end up. No, God has placed desires in your heart. He's given you talents. He's given you dreams and visions, and he wants you to humble yourself to him so that he can lift you up. Listen, don't come into God's presence with your own agenda, no, you know, don't come in here on Sunday with your own agenda. And, and what, what I mean by that is, hey, God, here's what I need done, and here's how I want you to do it. That's where we always mess up. So you don't come in with your own agenda. Come in with your request, but then humble yourself before God for him to do it his way. Hey, God, here, here's what I need, and I'm going to let you do it. That's tough. That's hard, you know, because, you know, we're Americans. We think we're smart. We think we got it all figured out, right? And we, we know better than everybody. We fix the world if they'd let us, right? And, and what we do is, hey, God, my marriage needs help. And if you would just fix this, that would, that would change things. But listen, God's not in a hurry, right? And, and God's not big on needing your help. God's got it. And so what do we have to do? We have to humble ourselves. We make our requests and then we humble ourselves before God. Listen, when you get into God's presence, he has the tendency to interrupt your life. He has the tendency to interrupt your life. So many times we pray, hey God, if you'll just fix this, man, do you know how much better my life would be? Do you know how much easier my life would be? If you read your Bible, God's usually not about making your life easier. Easy, you know, it never is in the cards. It's always better, but it's never easy, right? And so God has this tendency to interrupt your life. And he wants to show off. God loves to show off. God loves to do big, miraculous things because he wants you to know that it was, it was him. Nothing else could have done it. It had to be God. So listen, humble yourself before God when you come in here. Let's continue in verse eight. David says, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their innermost or their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgression, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. I love in verse 8, he's saying, hey, God, make my way straight. 
Show me which way to go and make it straight. And he's saying, I'm surrounded by people that are evil. I'm surrounded by evil counsel. And he's saying, but make my way straight, right? Bear their guilt. I love that so much. Let me show you verse 11 and 12. This is the last two. I'm going to show you a few more verses that go with this. It says, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them. For those who love your name may exalt in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him as favor as w- with favor as with a shield. See, listen, because of Jesus, you're welcomed into the presence of God and you're not cast out. Listen, and you don't have to just be here on Sunday morning to get into the presence of God. You can get into the presence of God on your own. You, you, you know, and I believe there's many different ways to do that. David, King David loved music and he loved worship. And his tabernacle was a tabernacle of worship. That might be your thing. You may love worship music and you may love looking at it and singing it and finding it and, and listening to it. And that may really get you into the presence of God. And that's awesome. And then maybe music's not your thing. Maybe you love reading the word of God. You, you love finding new scriptures and reading those stories and that gets you into the presence of God. Maybe you like getting out in nature and just taking a walk and just talking to God and just praying. I believe there's different ways that we encounter God. There's not just one set way of, well, you gotta get in your living room, listen to two songs, read your Bible, pray, drink a cup of coffee, and then you were in the presence of God. For some of you, that might sound incredible, right? For others, that might sound torturous, right? I know people that are like, I can't read my Bible. The amazing thing today is, is it'll read it to you, right? Maybe you, man, I love getting outside, taking a walk, man, just listening to scripture. Sometimes I'll put headphones on and listen to it while I mow. You know, we mow all the church and stuff in the summer, and I can listen to a whole book in the Bible in a week mowing around here. And, and maybe it's that way, but you can get into the presence of God. Listen to Hebrews 10, 19. It's going to be a little different on the screen. I want to listen to this first, and then we'll look at the screen. It says, therefore, believers, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells by means of the blood of Jesus, So what does that mean? It says, brethren, since we have full freedom and confidence to enter into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, by the power and the virtue in the blood of Jesus. All that means is you can come into God's presence because of the blood of Jesus. See, and it doesn't matter where we've been or what we've done, but because of Jesus, I can come in. Listen, David offers a sacrifice to enter God's presence. He takes an animal sacrifice The sacrifice covered his sin so he could do that. Then he humbled himself before God. Jesus offers his life as a sacrifice, and he humbles himself to death. Now, now real quick, I know know we're already out of time, but real quick. Jesus knows Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus dies because he gets sick. Jesus comes to heal him. You know, and there's a whole thing of like, why'd you wait? You could have been here. You could have healed him. He said, this is all for the glory of God. Take me where they laid him. And it says that he was angry. It says that when Jesus was angry, when he learned that Lazarus had died, they take him to the tomb and it says, while he was still angry, he raised him from the dead. Why was Jesus angry? Was he mad that his friend died? Was he mad that Martha and Mary were crying? No, he was mad at death. He was angry because he knew this was not the plan. He knew this is not what was in store for us. Was not death. Sin leads to death. The Bible says that very clearly. And so he was angry at death. You almost can imagine death as a spirit, 
right? The spirit of death. And he was angry with that spirit that had brought death to his friend Lazarus. And then he had to humble himself to death and lay his life down as a God. Listen to Philippians 2, 9. It says, in being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Remember James 4.10, humble yourself before God, and then he will lift you up. That's exactly what we see happen to Jesus. Jesus humbles himself unto death and breaks down anything that separates us from the Father's presence. In Matthew 27, 51, it says, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. That's when Jesus raised from the dead. When Jesus raised from the dead, when he was crucified, the temple, the temple that separated, you know, there's a big room, God's presence is in one room. Be like That was God's presence right there in that side room. And of Jesus, when he was crucified, that curtain split. And it was made out of thick animal hide, and it split from the top to the bottom. What was that signifying? That anything that's separating you from God, Jesus has destroyed. Your sin, your mistakes, your past, anything cannot keep you out of the presence of God. Listen, I'm going to read those last two verses to you again. Psalms 511. Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them. For those who love your name will exalt in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with the shield. Listen, David sacrifices in the tabernacle. He is surrounded by this tabernacle. He's in this inner room of this thick canvas tent that is surrounded by musicians, that is surrounded by another tent that has an outer court that has guards at it. He is protected and covered by this tabernacle. When you take refuge in God and you humble yourself before him, you will be surrounded and protected by his presence. When you get in his presence, it protects you. Listen, just as the tabernacle surrounded him, God's presence, the Holy Spirit surrounds you. Listen, there's protection in the presence of God. We did a series on Sabbath on rest. There's rest in the presence of God. What, what, what does this mean for us? It means we need to be spending time in God's presence. And that's through reading the word, worship, prayer, being in nature, right? We get into the presence of God and we spend time with him. And he brings protection, healing, rest, wisdom, ideas, direction. Everything that we need is in his presence. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. I thank you that every Sunday when we meet here, Father, when we have Thursday night church, when we do Ground Zero Empower Kids, that this room is filled with your presence, that you meet us here, that you want to spend time with us. Father, I thank you that we would find everything we need in your presence, that we would find refuge and shelter, protection. Father, we would find wisdom and answers and direction. Father, that everything, we would hear your voice. You would lead, guide, and direct us. Father, I thank you that we would just encounter your presence more and more. We would have encounters with you this week. That you would show us how to encounter you, Father. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.